What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell, fresh from San Antonio, was back, baby. Mm. How you been, dog? Give us the rundown. How was it? What was San Antonio like? How's our little homie doing? How's the real one's the real one nephew? How's he doing? All right. What's going on? First and foremost, let me just say that San Antonio and the Riverwalk in general, um, I never fully appreciated it when I was there as a player because I was there under different circumstances. You know, and as you're cruising the town, there's a slight bit of hostility towards you as a, you know, what I, like it's just a different vibe where you're opposing Especially player. you as a son. Yeah, right. You're there for a playoff series. Like the people were always great, but I never could really just soak it in and just vibe. Riverwalk was really nice, man. My son and I enjoyed that. We enjoyed our couple of days there hanging out. The The actual event was good. Like, like Dia did well. Um he, 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 according to a few people that I got feedback from, looked very good. Um, the experience was dope. The All-American game was really cool because he had two teammates and a head coach participating. His one teammate, Brandon Innes, caught the first touchdown in the game. He's going to Ohio State. And his other teammate, Mark Fletcher, caught like an 80-yard seam pass. He's going to Miami. So that was really cool. We had a good father-son, quick little weekend. And, and he did his thing, which is always really cool for me to sit in the stands and watch. That's what's up, man. Wait, so yeah. I always thought, so this is the Army All-American game, I'm assuming, right? No, this, is what this, the, this was the All-American game. There's so many. There's there's like, there's the Under Armour, there's the All-American Bowl on, on NBC, I guess, which this one was. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Army, which he was going to go to as well, but his team was playing for a state championship, so we couldn't make it to that one. Uh, okay, so th- for this particular one, they had the game, and then I'm assuming, because just put, to put everybody, all the real ones in the chat, Raja had sent us, as he does, we know that he's in a bag or he's on the road or something when he just sends us a video without context, right? Yeah. And he sent us he sent us a, a video of Dia just running a 40, like, yo, what's up? So did he get to throw? Did he get to is because this is this is the this is the uh there's an all-American game and I guess an all-American camp to go with this too. Is that what is that the Yeah, vibe? so so the seniors playing the All-American Bowl, and these were I mean, these were pretty pretty accomplished high school football players. They were going to any of your favorite BCS championship level teams. They had a bunch of kids announce that they were going to like Auburn or Georgia, like during the game. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. But the day before that for the underclassmen, they have a combine where, you know, they'll, they'll go through all their, their testing with Zybeck and then they will, uh, they will get on the field and do position drills. Right. So they broke down, like if you're at elite 11 and do some position drills and stuff like that. And then they get together with the wide receivers, running backs, DBs and linebackers, and they get after it. They do one-on-ones, you know, routes on air. I mean, it's, you know, you can't see anybody's real decision-making against a cover three because there's no, but, but you know, you see who can put the ball where and what kind of velocity they got on it and 
receivers and DBs get to show off. So it was pretty cool. That's what's up, man. Shout out yeah. Dia. We're not gonna talk. We're not gonna talk too 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 much about this. Y'all y'all see Dia for yourself, and he. he you know, he'll be fine. He'll be good. Yeah, check out good. my check him out though. I got a plug in, bro, because it's really about to start happening because he takes the wheel this year. So at Diabell3QB1 on Twitter. Go follow my dog, if you will, please. My young buck needs the support. If you want to see him and all, like all the highlight portion of it, make sure you go follow him on Twitter. But if you want to see the highlight portion of it, just see all of Raj's retweets on his Twitter page. <laughs> that's you, my that, Twitter. Re- I'm his little brother. That's my job. Listen, so, that's what you do. Listen, bro, for anyone out there, um, as we kill time on pot, I love this part about us, man. We're just really good at getting in a bag and and taking 10, 12 (laughs) minutes and just, we'll talk basketball in a minute, damn it. Hold tight. But for anybody out there, new father, um, new mother, new uncle that's going to be really supportive or aunt, what what have you, as they get older, you become a lot of things. You are not just like caretaker. I am a, I'm an Uber driver. Mm. I am a therapist. No, Uber drivers get paid, Raja. You're not an Uber driver. No, you're right. You're right. I am a, I am a therapist. I get paid in love, Logan. I'm we, yeah. My wife and I, Uber drivers, therapists, um, um, massage therapists, um, PT, you name it. And one of my latest jobs has been to be a PR director. And that's what I do for my two sons mm. that are in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, bro. I just work on their PR. I work on their, their profiles and keep their head clean so they can just go out and do what they do. But I do their, you know, I try to help them with their thing. Right. So, you know, I like them to control it, but I tell them, Hey, we got to get, you got, got to be moving. Here's what we, you know, got to do this. Got to get, got to do that. Like, and it's part of my job, bro. Speaking of developing prospects. Mm. Oh, you're getting so good at this. Yeah. I mean, I listen, you're getting really good at this. (laughs) Like really, you've come a long way. Go back and listen to some of our old ones, bro. Oh, man, I don't want to. Um, but speaking of doing that, um, over the weekend, I saw um, Paolo Benquero from, uh, from the Orlando Magic. And well pronounced. There's like certain teams that when they come through or certain players that I just got to see, right? I got to go. I got to watch, especially young guys. And he was on that list. Um, first of all, the first impressions, I got there pretty early. And as I was walking into the Chase Center media room. He was walking out, right? Like walking out to do his pregame uh, warm-up. And you want to talk about a child in a man's body? It's it's Paolo. It's 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 just I wasn't around to like see Carmelo in 0304. Like I saw him on television. Not like that. He wasn't like that. He wasn't like that. Well he was he was big, but not not, you know, that kid's kind of sculpted big. Mello was just a Bro. large body. Okay. Well, all right. That's what I remember, what I thought Mello was. But anyway, he's more of what you're saying. Like, he's just like, Paolo's just a sculpted body. He's like, dog, he's not. He's how old? How old is he? You know, that's how I looked at him, right? And he's just, you know, singing Break My Soul, at, you know, while he's stretching and stuff. He's just really in a bag. But the thing that was um, really just eye opening about this. Uh, the pregame workout, not necessarily th- anything that he did or that what he was doing, but I saw Magic coach Jamal Mosley just out there pregame, right? And not only was he out there pregame, he was, you know, when Paolo got out there, he was taking a more hands-on approach than what you see from a head coach in the league, right? Because um, just full transparency. Head coaches really don't go out that much pregame. They just that's just not something they do. Some do, but by and large, most don't. They leave that to the developmental staff or the maybe an assistant coach is out there. Uh or usually it's like the coaches behind the bench that are out there, not usually the coaches that are in front of the bench that are out there. So um, but anyway, Coach Mosley was out there and he's giving them, you know. This is how you, this is, this is the, your post, some post tips. You know, this is how you, you know, go baseline when you got a guy behind you, or this is how you feel somebody behind you, um, you know, how they're guarding you, you know, which dictates where you go in the post. Right. And it was just really insightful because like, I don't, I'm not yet at the point where I know the difference between what require, which team requires what. And I, I I do know that the 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 magic being a young team require a bit more than say the you know the Warriors or or you know the Grizzlies or the Nuggets or some of these these upper echelon teams. But how do you know when you need to be 
on the you know the the Nuggets developmental uh, train or the Magic developmental train, where the head coach is actually you know help literally molding his star every single day. What is the difference? Well, I mean that that's really interesting because, like you just said, I can't remember a single head coach at any level that I played at other than high school being on the floor with us. In, in a pregame capacity, um, certainly not in the NBA. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in terms of dialing, dialing in and making sure that everybody's on the same page when the game starts. So I, I would never see a head coach. So that's really interesting. Now the game, you know, we talk about this all the time, not just on the pod, but not only has the game changed, but the, the player has changed as well from an emotional standpoint, from a, you know, from a, just a, a, a connectivity standpoint from from player to coach, like there's a different level of connection, I guess, that, that kids need now. There's an immediate feedback that they need in a way um, that we didn't necessarily either either need or, or felt like we needed. But maybe that's why he's on the floor, right? Developing a real relationship with his guy, with his star, mm-hmm. because typically, and Jamal's a really good coach, and, and I like Jamal, he's a good dude, but typically you don't see that. So I don't have a great answer as at any level, why, why your head coach would be out there working with, with, with a young player that would almost always 99.9% of the time fall to a, a trusted assistant. You know, most guys, most assistants have a group of guys that are their guys on the team. So like if they're 12 guys and they're four assistants, each assistant really relates to three guys. So those will be his guys that yep. he works out and stuff like that. But I, that you just blew me away with that, Logan. I'm I'm stuttering and and stammering for a great answer because I don't know why Jamal Mosley um, would feel the need other than, and I'm just speculating. It's a it's a new generation of coach, of player, of relationship between the two, and and maybe in in that world, as I haven't been around it for almost like nine or ten years now, maybe in that world, that's the best way to start developing those those relatable bonds that can you know, prove dividends when, when you need them the most. But I think when you, when you, in terms of, in terms of good organizations, organizations that are always, always winning and traditionally, you know, looked upon as, as, as desirable locations, development never stops. It it, it never stops. Now players age out of certain levels of development as they, as they move into, into playing more minutes and being more vital role players on your team and and sometimes and even some cases stars like their level of development and work that they put in with the coach pregame that will change as as their career progresses but the development never stops for the people that are coming into the building for the young guys for the ones that we need to get caught up to speed you're like a sponge at that point man you are you are learning so much your head is in some cases spinning so fast that you're taking every second you can as a coach or as a developmental staff to really to really sit down or be on the court and and teach because yeah. they're not enough hours in the day for them to get all this information you know there's uh, there's a lot and so you got to get it to them in, in any way you can so development never stops whether a team's at the nuggets point or at the magic's point you just might have more players from the magic's perspective that are in that early stage of development versus denver being further down the line and I wanted to see how the Magic kind of did what they did. One, they're a young team. One, they got you know a guy like Paolo. Um, and another thing, you know, they're just a, uh, they're they're an Eastern Conference team, so you only get to see them once a year out here on the West yep. Coast. So I really wanted to see how they how they kind of went about things. And you could tell. I mean, obviously you could tell it's a young team, but you could tell just by how they moved how much of a young team it was. Like, you know, everyone is developing something. Right. There's just a a youthful energy that you could only get where, you know, the youthful energy where you don't know what's next. You know, we're just we're just working brick by brick every day. And that's what I got from seeing um, the magic uh, go about things. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. All right, so my favorite bet tonight is going to be Lakers Nuggets over. 
240.5 points. Both teams have scored 120 plus in five of their last six, seven of their last 10. Lakers is five out of the last seven. I'm also going to take Thomas Bryant over on the rebounds. I think he's due for a night. And Bruce Brown has shot the ball really well at home. So I'm going to take him as an over on threes made. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Ohio, so make sure you get in on the action with great offers just for you now and throughout January. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets with promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. That's in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas City. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. When you have a guy like Paolo or you have a guy, you know, that you know is going to be great or at least has the uh, the appearance that he's going to be great, it it would seem like you the support for him needs to be paramount, not even more so than a normal rookie. And it made me think about just the evolution of just how we um, how we give support to our rookies in the NBA, where, you know, back in the day, you know, even somebody like you, every story you tell me, it feels like by and large, you are on your own. Like I'm going to Atlanta and I'm just going to do this fucking workout and <laughs> we're going to see what happens. It seems like, like here or, you know, the teams that I've been around, like I'll just take for the Warriors, for example, like for the area and guys, Historically speaking, um, you know, guys, if they did have anybody, probably be somebody like a big homie from childhood that comes through, you know, that that is just living with them or just around in the same market that they're in or somewhere close and then flies up and sees them periodically, right? That's usually how it goes. Um, that still exists. But I think about right now, like I see certain, they, they'll have the guy that they grew up with or the person that they grew up with as a support system. But now the team has a liaison big homie that it works under the front office. And now that person is also in charge of just making sure, yo, does the, does the little homie have like things to do that are constructive while he's not playing basketball, right? Or does his, his house set up? Is he, does he, does he have, does he have groceries? Does he have things to do? Like how much more support do, you know, these guys need now and how, how, what were the lessons that were learned back in the day that, that are probably help heating this new generation of players? Well, it's a really, it's a really interesting question. It's a kind of, it's kind of a semi-deep conversation. The, the league has gotten younger and younger, right? Um, and so when I came into the league and yeah, I went to Atlanta by myself and I was out in San Antonio, just trying to figure out where I was going to live and bought a car and then realized I was getting cut. And so not having someone with me that kind of knew the ropes and was connected to the organization, even though I wasn't a star, um, it could have got me in trouble had I bought a house or signed a lease or something like that. I just thankfully didn't. So when I was cut, I could just get up and leave. But I was 23 years old, 22 years old. I had been to school for a long time. I was not an 18-year-old with one year of school experience, like very little life experience. I had been in Boston for two years. I had been on my own um, in, in, in Miami for three years. Like I wasn't a baby. Some of these kids are, are babies, essentially. They are really, really young men coming into the NBA. So it's imperative that you have structures in place that can help them not just grow on the court, but, but off the court. And in, in some instances, I'd go as far as to say protect them from from some of the elements in whatever city they go to that would look to maybe prey on a young 
relatively inexperienced millionaire and they're out there, right? So like, it's really critical um, that those, that those things are in, in place. But I think the genesis of it was the younger players coming into the league right at the transition point where you stopped having all those older minimum vets on the team. Like, again, when I came into the league, I walked into a locker room, Logan. Now, granted, this was a win now locker room. So the Magic are at a point where it's not necessarily win now. So that roster is going to naturally look younger, right? It's organic. But I walked into a locker room. Everybody had three kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> These were grown adult men. This this was not a, a hey, yo, you want to grab a beer and play some PlayStation 5 type of locker room. These were These were grown men. And the next locker room I went to was 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 even older. San Antonio was Terry Porter and David Robinson and a, you know, uh Jaron Jackson and the general. These were grown adult men and you don't have that in a way. And so as those dudes started to trickle out and those locker rooms started getting younger and younger and there's only one vet. I the Orlando's roster, Terrence Ross is the oldest dude on the roster. He's 31. Yeah. Like that's not that's not hella old. So like you you have the people looked around and said, "Uh-oh, we got to get some support. Like there's nothing in the locker room now that is going to grab a young Paolo Bancaro and put him under wing, teach him the ropes in a way we need him to learn the ropes both on and off the court. And so they had to start employing those people. They had to start putting, you know, people, people in, in, um, in jobs and in positions that, that could help, you know, with that, it would have been great for me, but I, I was still able to figure it out because I had some experience. A lot of these kids don't. And it's not, I mean, it's not a shot at all. Pa- Paolo Bancaro is one year out of, two years out of high school, man. Yeah. Now, and so some people, you know, this Logan, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's, it's a, it's big picture. You know, I, it's Paolo Bancaro strikes me watching him and, and his family as having a really good, solid, um, you know, uh, well-grounded background where, yeah. where he would kind of know how to c- conduct himself maybe and, and be responsibly responsible fiscally and things like that in a way that maybe other people don't. And so you're, you're trying to protect people and, and you're trying to protect your, your, uh, your investment. Well, it's interesting. Cause you said something about just like how, you know, t- certain teams, we we're in the stage right now where like the good teams are just these young, young teams for by and large, for the most part. Right. I think about the Grizzlies, right. Where, they're a really young team, but don't have just the one vet that they need, right? They're a vet away. And not even like, and I always think about the Grizzlies and what would have happened. Because you know, Andre Iguodala got traded to Memphis. And and he never, he, he it just, he never had plans to play there. But I always think of an alternate reality, like when, if he did play there. And what that would have done to that locker room. And just the lesson, the more lessons they would have learned there. You know, with just a guy like that in the locker room, I mean, I don't know how much tread he had on the tires when uh, he played in Miami. He had one more stop after that, right? Like he did have some tread on the tires. And I think now he'd probably be too old for that locker room. But just like, I just think about that and what that could have done for a team like the Grizzlies, right? Where you you have that. What do you you think about just them being a veteran? Does that that play a part in what they're doing right now? We'll talk about the Grizzlies next segment, but that does seem like a a team that could have used or could use somebody that's like a, you know, effective veteran. Yeah, I've long long said that I believe um, the Grizz to be a piece like that away. Um, You know, they have enough on-court talent. You know, Steven Adams, I, I don't, uh, Steven Adams is a, a, a grizzled vet. Like he's been around a long time, but I do believe them to be an experienced seasoned piece away. And, and that isn't really, let me rephrase that. That's not necessary through 97% of the season. It's not imperative that they have that. They have a lot of great young players that are hungry and they're out to prove a who they are individually in this league. B that the Memphis Grizzlies are are a championship contending team. C that Memphis, you know, the city is a basketball like power. Like there's a lot, and they're and they're doing a good job of it. So through 97% of the season, like not having that on your roster isn't going to be an issue. It's the 3% of the time. You know, when let's say something pops up um, and we have a decision to make as to whether or not we respond to it and our response 
is going to get us in some hot water and it's going to be a bad look for for you individually or the team or what have you. That guy say, hey, 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 young fella, hey, let's not let's not go there. Let's not do that. Let me here here's why X Y and Z. Let me just lay it out to you like that. Do with that what you will. That young fella takes a step back. Maybe he thinks on it for a second before he fires out that tweet or what have you, and and mm-hmm. cool, cooler heads prevail, right? I'm that's not even touching. That's 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 off the court stuff. But then in the trenches, deep late playoff runs, you know, um, when somebody, anybody of those six young players that are really good looks a little shaky and isn't really, you know, the moment got a little big for him. And these are fractional things. This isn't like over the course of a series. I'm talking about one game maybe where somebody doesn't look like themselves and you have that guy who's just steady when who's been there and he can be in that ear. And if that kid, you know, doesn't snap out of it, you can put him in and let him hold his weight. You're just talking about people that can hold their weight while John Morant does what John Morant does. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Does what, you know, cats that are solid in the foxhole and so they're not missing him through through 97% of it but I do think there's 3% of the time where a guy like that would be very 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 valuable to a Memphis team and I'll even take Orlando for Apollo I looked at their roster again maybe Terrence Ross is that guy and maybe it's cost prohibitive I don't know I don't know the cap I wasn't I'm doing their numbers but they are so young that it's almost yeah. it, he it, Jamal's almost got to raise Paolo Bancaro because ain't nobody else over there going to be able to raise him, bro. I just like it would just like a look like a whole bunch of kids over there, bro. Just a whole Who's, bunch of kids trying to figure it out, you know, they, in they, the abyss. And that's a difficult thing, man. It's a very difficult thing for for. I mean, think about yourself when you first went away to college, man. If somebody mm-hmm. had said to you in in your freshman year, "Hey, listen, next year as a sophomore, you are going to lead." All 17-year-olds. We're going to bring in a bunch of 17-year-olds. You're the oldest one now. Like yeah, you got yeah. one year of experience, and now you lead this shit, and we need to win, and the ball's yours. Like You'd be like, yeah, shit, yeah, let me get it. But you weren't emotionally ready for that. Doc, I tell you what, man. Like I was in the abyss during, during college years, <laughs> dog. Like Where I just didn't even know. I didn't know shit. I'm still learning lessons that I didn't learn now. That, you know what I'm saying? Where you're just alone, and co- college is just... Especially when you know that's an idiot, bro. I was just talking about like the early twenties because I'm I'm my late ones, not to age me too much, but just like how the your early twenties literally is just you trying not to be an idiot. You just trying not to do it, right? Like, yeah, that's your stride. That's just your the stride you're trying to get to because it's just you're 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 shitbird. You can be a shitbird. Right in your ways, and 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 you're trying like the good ones. You're trying just not to let me just not mess up today. Let me figure something out today. Right, that's that's really what it is. And um and to to like give all get all the bread and like get all these responsibility, man. Like it's tough. That's why it does. Like the first few years, it has a lot to do with basketball, but in a lot of ways, it don't got shit to do with basketball. You got to figure out a whole a whole new Life. life life skills, man. I mean, we'll talk about. You know, with with my kids, I had the conversation with Dia yesterday about time management. It is mm-hmm. a critical component to being successful. You have Bro. to learn that now. I, you know, you are you're 15 years old, and and it's important that that you learn how to carve out the time that you need in your day. I was 21 years old. I ain't know how to manage my damn day. You know what no. I mean? Like I I knew yeah. I wanted to get to the gym. I knew that. I knew you know there were things I knew I wanted to do, but in terms of putting the pieces together and making sure I had time allotted, I didn't, I didn't have those skills. And so, you know, I, and I, again, I was 21, 22. So a 17 year old who's got the world at his fingertips, um, who's got everyone in any city pulling at him for attention because of who he is and what he means to the NBA franchise to think that he's capable of doing that on his own. In some cases he may be, those are special individuals. In a lot of cases, they need a, they need a village around them to help, to help get them right. And they also need like a sense of normalcy, right? And it's hard to have a sense of normalcy when you're such a big star and famous, right? Because like, you know, you might want to go to Publix and get some groceries. You can't do that. Like, yeah. I'll be seeing these super duper stars. They can't go out and do that. They can't, you know, like. Well, I stayed in the shop hard. right in Philly City Ave. Stayed oh, in the I, shop right. You was locked in? <laughs> Could Iverson go there though? Stay, no, 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 no. <laughs> but listen, oh, you know what's funny? Because I was, it was just stupid little. But 
I stayed in the shop, right? Every whatever day, went in there, got my little groceries, bomb, went home, no problem. As soon as that game six and game seven happened, as soon as it happened, like yeah. my family came into town for game seven. So they were there. The next day or two days later, we went out to the King of Prussia Mall and we were acting business as normal, man. We're going to go walk around the mall. It's halfway to my grandparents' house. We're in the King of Prussia Mall. The mall literally shut down. Like that? I was engulfed with hundreds, if not a thousand people in a matter of minutes. It was scary. I had no security because I never needed it. Like, you know, I was, again, I'm in the shop. I'm in the shop, right? Dolo. So me and my mom and my dad, and when they descended, Logan, I got claustrophobic, bro. They They were all around me. People were pushing and shoving, and it happened just like that. So I couldn't even imagine being somebody like, no, Alan couldn't go nowhere. I was thinking about. Uh, I mean, you was popping. You had, you had a good. You had a good little playoff run. Philly, well, that, you know how Philly is. That level of fame dissipated pretty quickly. <laughs> it was. You know I mean? It was fine. for a hot second. But I. I was thinking about. I wouldn't have traded it, Logan. I wouldn't have. My my life, um, as a kind of role guy, um, but getting to go about my daily life with my family and my kids and my wife versus superstardom and not ever being able to do anything like just off the humble, like, yo, do I want to go do that? I don't know that I would have traded that. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I think that like, um, I mean, when you're in it, though, it's tough. You know, when you're in it, when when you're in it and you're just trying to have your family go to the mall like a normal thing, like you're not ready for what that no one can prepare you for that. I was thinking about uh, uh, Jordan Poole. Right. Like that's something that he's going through this year. Like he was really, really good last year. Now he's feeling the effects of his stardom and everything that it, you know, everything that he did last year, the stardom that comes with it. Like he was trying to go to an art gallery the other day with one, like with uh, his photographer, right? Show love to the dude that's been, that's been like holding, holding him down for the last year. Um, Jordan Jimenez, he goes for five minutes to this art gallery and gets swapped and has to dip, right? Like it's, it's a, it's tough when you try to have normalcy in your life and at this age. And that's some of the stuff that they don't really teach you. And that's all the thoughts that I got when I was seeing, you know, Jamal uh, coach up Paolo. Cause like, there's this kid that's great as a hooper and is about to be a star in all ways. But I'm thinking like, what does this dude have to deal with? What is, I wonder what this guy is going through right now, because it's not just, it's more than just a workout and, and teaching post moves at the end of the day. Are you teaching? It's just, yeah. He's you teaching I mean? life. Yes. Yeah. He's teaching life. He's making a connection to a kid that generationally there is a gap and it's increasingly harder to figure out how to communicate with them. So I would imagine, again, this is just speculation that Jamal said, you, you know what language like and connection people who hoop always have, Logan? Hoop. So let me get out here on the court with you, bro, because that's always going to show you like I'm invested and 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 I got love for you because I'm out here with you, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, let's take a quick break and uh, we're going to see who in the league is living a raps in the next segment. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Hello. This is your Real Ones Podcast, and I am Jade. I will be enhancing your listening experience with certain facts about hosts Raja and Logan, and producers Kai and Kerm. We hope that you find our presentation pristine, funny as fuck, and educational. Ra rah, and we are back. Um, we've been trying to like get this segment right. We've been trying to do the names. We'll see if this sticks. And... Um, the question is, do we believe their raps? Now, uh, Third Eye Kai and OG Kerm have compiled a list of teams um, and given us great stats for each team. And uh, we're just going to go down the line to see if we believe what they're cooking up at this very mm-hmm. moment. Not mm-hmm. like anything. And we're at this very moment, do we believe them? And we're going to first go 
And the Memphis Grizzlies, who are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, and uh, they're on a six-game winning streak since the last time I saw them um, on Christmas Day. They've beaten the Raptors, Pelicans, Kings, Hornets, Magic, and Jazz, 16-3 and three at home, 10-10 and 10 on the road. And before I uh, get to you know the rest of their stats, this is something that's really important to, to Raja. They are first in defensive rating and 13th in offensive rating. Um, so they are not they do not, they are not in the top ten in both offensive and defensive efficiency yet. I'm sure that they can get their offense cooking over the last part of the season. But after all that I have uh, that I have told you right now, there's more. There's uh there's the big three of um, Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain and Ja. They haven't played ten games yet together this season. Um, Malika Andrews talked to Ja Morant uh, earlier this season, and he told her. I'm fine in the West. I'm good. Do we believe their raps, Raj? I'll start with you. Do we believe their raps? I, I do believe their raps. Yeah, I think they're living their raps. I think they are. They are in the area where I would have liked to have seen them be. I think we talked about them earlier in the year, maybe coming out without without their eye necessarily on the prize or without being all the way dialed in. But I've also referenced how long an NBA season is. And if you come out of the gates too hot, too locked in, how hard that is to sustain. Um, I think Memphis, having the success that they had the last couple of years, are, are right where they need to be. Uh, I like that defensive number. Like That's always sustainable. Offense, you can be a great offensive team, and it's easier to be off on the offensive end than it is to be on the defensive end, if that makes sense. So that on any given night, I might go into a gym and the, shot, the shots go cold. Mm -hmm. When you're solid defensively, that's less likely to happen. So if you made me pick one to keep you afloat, I'm picking the defensive side of the ball to be mm -hmm. to be more sustainable. I think offense, they'll get that figured out. John Morant's still in a, in a situation or situationally late in games trying to figure out how to stop him from getting the necessary buckets um, when his team is locked down is as difficult to do as anyone in the league. Um, yeah, I believe they're wraps. I think, I think they're for real. I'm hesitant in believing their raps at this point. Um, okay. And I think that's 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 probably about just what I like what I saw in person. From what I saw in person, I am hesitant to to believe their raps because um I saw them the Christmas game against the Warriors was pretty disappointing to me in terms of like I know that they've played well um since then, but the the there are games on the schedule where you just you kind of just those are statement games, right? This right. team took your lunch in the postseason. And back to your point, Raja, of just, you know, the veteran uh, leadership where was kind of non-existent last year for, for Memphis where they would just do things or they would tweet certain things and they would um, kind of say certain things in the media. Their coach would, uh, Tyler Jenkins, would kind of say things in the media that would suggest that they are just not at the maturity level of a team that is trying to win titles, right? And mm -hmm. I, I saw that, and I saw that the the uh, game against in Christmas was the game where they could just rectify all of that shit. This is a game where John ja Morant is debuting his new shoe that we've been clamoring for on this program. That he hey. needs his new Nike shoe. Hey. I saw them; they were icy. Hey. But this is where this is the game where they they released the shoe, right? right? Or they they at least they they show they released like um, him actually playing in it. And they also, this is the biggest stage. Um, this is the biggest stage of the NBA season. And they go out there and lay an egg. That was very disappointing, right? Because this is the game that you have to have in front of a national TV audience. And when they laid the egg, they showed all the remnants of the team that didn't win the title last year, relying too much on John Morant for offensive scoring, right? Mm -hmm. um, standing around a lot and just watching him cook. And also, like, just not meeting the moment right? overall. And that's something that I always fear with the Grizzlies, right? And I'm on the other side of that. If they, I feel like they're, they've been the Cinderella story for the last three years. I feel like this season is going to be the year where, hey, man, if they flame out like they did last year, there are going to be some real questions about what's going on in terms of, you know, who coaches this team or, you know, just the questions that you normally get when – you have a team with promise and they're not getting to those 
they're not reaching those aspirational goals that they're set. So if they, I think if they flame out in the East, the Western Conference Finals or semifinals, I think there's going to be, it's no longer going to be the Cinderella story where you see like, oh yeah, the Grizzlies, they're all vibes. It's not going to no longer be that because they're here to win and they're here to win year in and year out. And this is a really pivotal uh, year for them. But from what I saw live and the game that I saw them in, I don't believe they're wraps yet. Um, that yeah, I mean, listen. When when you're when we we're talking about believing their raps, I guess I should have clarified, like I always have to do when we do these, is like, are we talking about winning a chip? Are we talking about having legs to win a chip? Are we picking them as favorites? I could see everything that you're saying being reason reasons for hesitancy when you look at Memphis. That's very fair. Um, there are like with most teams holes that I can poke in their their chances to win a championship but I do think that they are right there like where they should be in terms of upper level of the Western Conference if you had asked me coming into this season whether they would be a favorite to win a championship I would have told you flatly no so Mm -hmm. because they still aren't that's not a reason for me necessarily to not believe their raps if that makes sense that's fair, and I and we haven't given I haven't get, we haven't given the full list yet, but based on their expectations is where based I'm coming from. I got right? you, and that's fair. I can buy yeah. that. I, I I still I still believe them, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, okay, and so another team. Let's go out. You know, we're in Memphis right now, and we just you know we just got our barbecue and stuff. But we you know we gonna go down. We are gonna take a flight down to, um, to New Orleans and see mm-hmm. what's up with the Pelicans. You know, friend of the show, David Griffin. Um, we see you out there. You know, Cafe Dumont. We out here. Mm-hmm. You know the vibes. Um, the Pelicans six and four in their last 10 games. They're currently on a two game losing streak. Um, they lost the Nets and Mavs back to back. Great home team, 17 and five at home. Um, Zion Williamson is currently out for at least three weeks with a hamstring injury. Ingram is hoping to return. They're third in the West. Um, these are the numbers you really want Ra. fifth in defensive rating, seventh in offensive rating. Um, do we believe the Pelicans wraps? as a team on the rise right now. I'm not I don't I I'm not even going to say championship because I don't even think that's in I don't even think they're ready for all of that. Yet I'm not even going to qualify it with that. They haven't even gone through any growing pains whatsoever. Are the Pelicans, do you believe they're wraps as an as an up and coming team and a team that's going to be uh formidable for the next uh few years? I do. I do believe that. Um you know, with the caveat of not really knowing like Zion's a wild card for me and he's just a wild card, whether he's available, whether he's injured, like I, you know, I don't know, but they've proven to me without Zion last year um, and their body of work throughout that. And, and even at times this year that they are going to be fine. I believe them to be foundationally solid. They, their numbers support that, you know, you're a top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Like I told you, I believed in Memphis and they were only top 10 in one, um, mm-hmm. I've, I regurgitate that all the time about championships being top 10 in both over the, over the last, I don't know, go back and keep looking until your fingers are numb. Um, and, and they will have been both right. Top 10 in both. So, so, um, yeah, I do believe they're for real. And it goes deeper than that. They're, they're, they're a hyper competitive bunch. Like, like David Griffin, I do have a little insight into this team just cause that's my buddy. They're hyper competitive. Um, they are very, very rangy and 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 long and versatile defensively. They've got a lot of guys that buy into doing that. They have a a three headed bucket getting monster when you have to step outside of the scope of your offense. Any three of the CJ McCollum's, Brandon Brandon Ingram, or Zion when healthy can just get you a bucket. You don't have to run shit. The team could have scouted you up. They could be taking away all your actions. And you give them the ball and put their defender on an island and they will create. And so that that's that is critical to a team that I believe in. And I do really believe in Willie Green. I believe yeah. in his coaching. I believe in his connection. I believe in his messaging. And so, yes, I think they're for real. Now, do I think they will win a championship this year? Probably not. But do I think they will be in the conversation um, in the Western Conference playoffs? Yes. Um, and, you know, no one's going to want to play them. No. The Pelicans? No, absolutely not. Um, they're going to be a hard out. They're going to be... 
I've even, I don't even know if I've, I've said my prediction. I haven't even said if I believe them or not. But I, what I will go with, they're going to be, and this is going to educate what I'm going to say, but like the Pelicans are going to be one of those like 0-9-10 Thunder teams. You know what I'm talking about? The team that played against the Lakers and took them to six games, right? That They're going to be that team um, to, and it also depends on when they're seeding because if they keep this, this third seed, if they can keep up this, dog, they're gonna they're gonna make a little run because they're they're better than the, the 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 teams that are in the in the bottom half of the Western Conference, and they're just gonna pl- they're gonna play without expectation, and which will be great. You know, they're still in that sweet spot where they might be a year ahead of schedule. You know, they're they're just in a really nice sweet spot, and I also just love I, they're seventeen and five at home. I love that they have made New Orleans a great place and a hard place to play for an opposing team. You going into New Orleans, you are gonna have to. You have to bring your lunch pail. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to earn a win out there in New Orleans because when they are turnt, they are turnt in that building. And yeah. so, I do believe the Pelicans wraps. I do think that they are going to be a hard out in the years to come. I just want Zion to be healthy. I lo- we both love Brandon Ingram's game. We love Zion's game. They got a good program down there. I love. I love. I love watching the Pelicans play. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. We're getting on Raj's PJ. Um, we're going from New Orleans because there's no direct there's no direct flights um, from from New Orleans to this place, a place called Sacramento, um, mm. where the Kings are fifth in the West, twenty and eighteen. Now, they have lost. They've been four and six in their last ten games. Lost to the Hawks and the Lakers in back to back games. Uh, Lakers uh, selling that narcotic again, um, and people are buying it at this point. We'll see what happens. Um, but they are uh, fourth in offensive rating, 26th in defensive rating, which is pretty surprising considering Mike Brown is their coach. Um, Darren Fox is averaging 24, 5, and 4. Um, he's playing an all-star level. Would not be surprised if he got a maybe an all-star. Uh, uh, he might get an all-star berth going into this. It, I would not be surprised, his first one. Uh, Sabonis is also balling. Um, he's averaging 19 and damn near 13 right now. Um, and they're third in the league in pace, which makes sense considering um, De'Aaron Fox is their point guard. I am going to say, and these are the expectations that I'm laying out for the Kings. I think at their floor, they are a playing team. At their ceiling, they are probably where they are right now. So I do believe they're refs. I do think that they are building something there. Um, I've been around SAC, and you know, I actually started interning um, and sack and t- during the lockout year um, in 2011. So I've, I've been able to see a lot of, um, of uh, I- I've been able to see a lot uh, of sack for the last few years, right? Like I've been able to see, you know, where they've gone. I, I you know, I was interning and just kind of cutting my teeth out there and um, was able to see a lot. And honestly, this seems like the most sustained, um, you know, revamp if you want to call it that this the most sustained uh uh building block type team that they've ever had and an era that they've ever had and i and i respect their coaching staff they have mike brown on there they have leandro barbosa as an assistant friend of the mm-hmm. show um and so they have they have a lot of guys there that are that have seen things so i'm gonna i'm gonna say i do buy the king's raps at this point in time what do you think Ra? so you did a very good job of explaining what expectations were as it relates to whether you're buying the wraps or not, because I'm going to buy them also, but for different reasons than I bought the first two teams, which I believe to be further along in the process of getting closer and closer to a championship in Sacramento. But I'll give you, I'll give you three numbers, 31, 31, and 30. 
Do you know what those three numbers are? What are they? Those are win totals for the last three years for the Sacramento Kings. Mm. 31, 31, and 30. And right now they have 20 wins. And while I believe they're pieces away from where they ultimately want to go, the fact that you are as high in the league as you are in pace of play and offensive efficiency, um, the fact that you've got at least two players that are building blocks of, of a franchise, you're playing as well as you are. There's excitement again. Um, I, am, I, am, I am buying their reps. They are even earlier in the process. You said that, that New Orleans is in this sweet spot. The Sacramento Kings are just starting to get approach a spot if they can continue on the trajectory of, of adding pieces, making sure they're stable at the coaching position. Like Mike Brown's a great, a great hire. I'm, obviously I love LB, but making sure that that's foundationally correct and then continuing to build off of what you're doing right now, obviously sustaining it or some momentum through this season is really important, but I believe they'll do that. Uh, so I do buy their wraps because of where they are coming from and what that's looked like in Sacramento or from an organizational standpoint for the last three to five years, I, I think that if we, if we are basing it off of what reasonable expectations were, yeah, absolutely, I'm buying their wraps. Raja, you know, we, we have to do this. You know, we, we criticize um, people on this podcast, um, but, you know, we also do. Yeah, we get flowers. We apologize too. We and get flowers, but we also we. But I have to apologize while giving flowers. I have to okay. actually apologize because when the Kings made the trade to trade Tyrese Halliburton to Indiana, I was on the Kings' head. <laughs> Why would you do this? What is your problem? And honestly, it wasn't even the deal. It was more so the reputation that the Kings had of just, you know, trading away guys, right? Even the guys that they have that are building blocks. And both can be true. I do think that Tyrese Halliburton is a building block type player. He is. You see what he's doing in Indiana right now. He's being great for them. Sure. But I was, I was, I was in my emotional bag. I was, I was, you guys can go listen and check on it. But I, I criticize this deal a lot, basically centered around the reputation. And I want to say I apologize to the King staff record label and a crew, and specifically one Monty McNair, who has been a great general manager so far during his tenure with the Sacramento Kings. Now, you know, there's been some extension talks from him and the Kings. They need to get that figured out because Monty McNair has been doing a great job. Um, also like they, I'm looking at what else the Kings have, man. They also have like Alvin Gentry in the, in the front office as an advisor, you know, they yeah. just, they, they just have guys that you just know have been in the league and have been successful in the league in their roles. And this is like, yo, man, I, I, I like what they got cooking right now. I do. I, I think that they're, they're on the right path. Now they haven't earned like the year long thing that they have. They haven't earned the benefit of the doubt, but you know, they, they're on, they're, they're playing with house money at this point. So it's very, is, I like what I see. Very mature of you to come on here and apologize. I, I love that we both can do that, right? Like, cause I mean, look, it's, it's day, just hoop, bro. It's we're just not, hoop. Yeah, we're not getting them all right. Let me just say this. Cause I had a chuckle while you were talking. I know. I didn't, I didn't I like had, that chuckle. I didn't know what I, it was. It, it, it was not. Like you were no, no, I want to clarify. It was, <laughs> I was not at all. It had nothing to do. I was actually proud of you for the apology. Um, I looked up Monty McNair cause I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> Right. Okay. I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> okay. So I looked him up, and the reason I had to chuckle is because of the first picture that came up is one of those posed, like you know, when you played like CYO basketball, like in in the third grade, and they put a ball like on your thigh, oh, yeah. and then they had you put both hands on it and and tilt yes. your head and smile at the camera. The first yep. picture that came up of Monty McNair was that pose. So I'm not. It's, 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 it's mad swaggerless. I'm not going to hold you. And that could have been yeah. anyone. If you put Raja like this with the anyone, ball, it's, it's hell just the it's pose. swaggerless. It's just yeah, the pose. It's, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the. So I had a chuckle because of the pose. I was like, I remember doing that and being like, yo, my man, I do not want to take this picture like this, bro. I it's really whack. Don't. You know why those pictures are whack? And it has nothing to do with Monty McNair at all. It's whack no. because those ones exactly, bro, you can't wear like logos and shit, only team logos. You oh. just can't, you have to put on like a suit with the. Th it looks just it looks hella swaggerless. It's just yes. uh, there's nothing it's else tough, I can say. I get it. Okay, 
Yeah. Shout out to Monty McNair. But well done, though. Hey, you're doing your thing out there, brother. And so like for that, cool. And you got to yeah, take yeah. it. Like, there's no avoiding it. You're like, yo, I don't want to take the picture like that. They're like, yo, you're, you're going to take the picture like that. You're like, all right. I had to do that when I was working at, uh, I was working, before I got to the ringer, I was working at NBC Sports Bay Area covering the Warriors, right? And like, they had, we had to take the stock pictures, bro. And it just, it just looks so vanilla and whack. Like, I just, it, there's no way, to, it's no one's fault. It, it's no just what fault. has to be done. And it do, just, for those 45 minutes, it just looks wild. It looks whack. So people who worked with me in NBA, like media relations department, usually were really cool with me because I often went out of my way to do everything I could. Like, and I was really good with everybody and I'd sign whatever, go to signings or do the little commercials, whatever. But they knew that the one day of the year that I hated was media day because mm. I was anti jumbotron cornball guy. So <laughs> I hated that shit with the passion, bro. They would bring you in there and you'd be like, they'd be like, okay, now everybody get loud. You know, you know, when you see your favorite player up there talking about now, everybody get up and make some noise. Day. It this all happens during all media during day. media day. And everybody, oh. if you guys are just paint the picture because you guys are always just annoyed to be there. It's okay. It's fine. Cause you guys got to take all the pictures and do all the shit and then deal with <laughs> us asking you questions. And you're like, dog, I just want to get this over with. Cause there's no practice day. It's you guys are not getting any work done. There's that no going to help done. you, but like, so to put it in perspective, dealing with the media that day for me was the best part. It was all yeah. the bullshit jumbotron, fake green screen. Get the crowd. Come on, get stuff. up, defense, defense. It's, it felt so fabricated and fake. Like I hated it. And so people who normally loved me, I'd leave there that day, and I know they were like, "That guy's a fucking dick." <laughs> yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they don't realize, like in March, when they see Raja Bell in the jumbotron, and he's like, "Everybody get loud, yay!" Why is yeah. he not engaged? Why right. does he care? For? <laughs> but there's also on the other side of that, there's motherfuckers like Kevin Garnett who's like locked the fuck in on that oh, shit. Yeah. It's like everybody get the f get up, everybody yes. get up. <laughs> yes, yes. It was not my All bag. Right. I was not great at that. Uh, shout out Monty McNair. We know you had to do that on that on that media day. Sorry, bud. Um, <laughs> Let's let's uh, let's round this out, which is with the, with the uh, team that is honestly relevant in the news right now um, that we haven't talked about a lot during this season for obvious reasons. But uh, let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets, who um, are nine and one in their last ten games, one of the hottest teams in the league. But Kevin Durant just sprained his MCL, and we'd be reevaluated in two weeks. Right? That's tough. Before I, we get into the KD and whatever that, let me just bring some stats to you real quick. Pre-KD injury. Um, they were on a nine-game winning streak that was just recently um, ended by the Bulls. Um, and, you know, they have a their fifth in offensive rating, also eighth in defensive rating. Everything that we talked about last year, if they can do all these things, if Ben Simmons can figure it out, if they can figure their defense out, if they can do all these, if they can, some people would say, if they could find a new coach. You know, we got respect for everybody. We're not saying, we're Chill not out, talking bro. about that. But, like, they were saying that, and all those things are kind of coming true, you know. Those are, mm -hmm. and which is why it's tough to see KD get injured at this point. Um, but I will say this: before the KD injury, and to answer everyone's question about this this segment, I don't really believe their raps based on what their expectations are. Their expectations right now are a title, and I don't think at this very point they can get there. Uh, this was pre-KD injury and now post-KD injury. It kind of it, it sucks. He's getting reevaluated in two weeks. He had this uh, this I think believe this exact same injury last year, and they the it was it was tough for the Nets to find footing because of the Kyrie stuff, and also they just didn't have a, as much of a well-rounded team at that point. This time, I think they could right the ship. But when you're talking about playing deep into the postseason and playing against teams like Boston and Milwaukee. I don't know if Brooklyn can get past those two teams, and they haven't proven that they can get past those two teams. So at this point, even with KD, I think he'll be fine coming off of this injury, and I think they will continue to roll in the regular season. But when it comes to the postseason, I don't believe them to be a championship contender at this point. What do you think, Raja? This is a tough one for me because, I mean, I want to give them a lot of credit for the way this ship's been righted. I do believe that there was a checkout at the end of the day on Steve. Um, and I believe privately people probably wanted him gone. And therefore, you know, we're all pros and we say we're out there giving it our best shot. But 
I, this is just me. I, I don't I don't think they were playing as hard as they could for him at the end of the day. So obviously I'm biased, but that's what it is. But that takes nothing away from what they've been able to do under Jock Vaughn, though. They've been fantastic, especially on the defensive end for me. Well, they made they made huge strides. I mean, they're they're a top ten team numbers wise in the NBA right now. They were bottom third, you know, before the move. So I give them them being the the team and Mon- and um sorry Jacques huge amount of credit. I do think they're playing you know with the with the more with the more um more freedom offensively. It looks like for whatever reason, their guys getting involved and and people getting touches. You know, the thing about that though is like. You know, integrating some of those pieces like the Royce O'Neals and stuff like that, that wasn't an overnight thing. Those are those are things that that take a little bit of time to develop the chemistry and start to feel the flow and figure guys out. And that's starting to happen too. So they are really, really good. And so while I want to say, because I've said for every other team that I'm buying their wraps and like, but because expectations for them, I will just regurgitate everything you just said. I I don't see them beating Brooklyn and or Milwaukee. Um, you don't see them I beating think, Boston and or I'm Milwaukee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, Boston, and, yes, Boston and or Milwaukee. Yeah. Boston and or Milwaukee. Absolutely. So for that reason, I'm. it's going to force my hand to say I don't buy their wraps. But I don't want to say that because I do. And so I'm not going to say it. Let's let's do this. Let me backtrack. Let me back off of that. I buy their wraps because coming, in, coming into this season, while I did think championships were could be expected if you were playing and being the best version of yourselves that quickly was met with like reality, which was, this is a dumpster fire. And so mm-hmm. the fact that they, they've been able to like re- regroup, get themselves pointed in the right direction, guys figure each other out, defensive um, um, uh, schemes and philosophies implemented on the fly and adhered to on the fly, which is a very hard thing to do. I am going to buy their reps. I just don't, believe that they are going to win the Eastern Conference. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that coming from where you came from. Now, at the start of this experiment, had you told me had you told me they weren't going to be in a championship, I would have said failure. But where this thing ended last year and where it started this year to where it's at now, I, I'll buy the reps. Yeah, and I, it's, it's just every time I see the Brooklyn Nets, I think of like I always think about what could have been just overall, right? Because it's it's kind of hard and it sucks to just see that this is the team that is that could make a finals run when they had so much talent and they had so many things that could have gone their way right this should have been a perennial eastern conference team every yeah. single year and like this year let's say they do make a deep playoff run there's so much uncertainty going beyond this season right like just in general and with the with the two stars i don't think um like Kevin has given some interviews, but like, does he does he revamp his trade request next next summer? Who knows? He hasn't said anything either way. We don't right. know if Kyrie is going to be back based on everything that's that's transpired over the last summer, right? There's just it seems like we're in a very calm phase of a big storm, right? We're just we just it's subsided. We're chilling. We're having a great few months. But we don't know what's on the horizon with this team, and I think that's also what's tough for me to kind of gauge with them because they're a great team. They have a they have a lot of great players, and KD's been playing really, really good this year, um, and so is Kyrie, right? And they've been a little bit under the radar. Because let's be frank, no one wants to talk about them because they have to talk about the things that happened in the preseason and all those things, right? Right. And so they haven't been talked about, but they've been a really good team overall. I just don't have a good gauge on what they could be because this is a small sample size and we don't know what is to come. It always seems like it's a shoot a drop with this team. and But it, it, we're just in a calm period right now. So you're saying eye of the hurricane right now. And I can't be mad at you for saying that. Like, I, you know, they are, they've given us all the reason to believe that we are waiting for something else to happen. Like, it's just, you got enough sample size now. It's always something. So until it's not, I mean, it'd be prudent to to keep an eye on that. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what happens. Um well, in the meantime, we've given you got a lot of guys a lot of content today. I got to get ready for this uh, TCU Georgia game, which Third Eye Kai Ooh. is attending. Alumni okay, of TCU, he's in LA right now. He got tickets, so if you see Third Eye Kai at SoFi, make sure you tap in, man. Go Frogs, baby. Yeah, go Frogs, go Frogs. So um, that's who I'm going for. I'm going for TCU, man. I'm sorry, just because Third Eye Kai's on the call, I'm rocking with TCU and the Orange Frogs. Who you got tonight? 
Um, I'm going to remain neutral because just because I think it's prudent for me to remain neutral at this point. I want to see a good football game, bro. Wow. Wow. I want to wow. see a good football game. Man. I want to see wow. a good football game, bro. This man out here is uh, somehow he got game, corporate dog. and diplomatic. Ain't that yeah. a, that's yeah. why that's wild. <laughs> All right, man. All right, guys. All right. All right. We will see you guys Thursday. We might have something really big cooked up for you guys in the Thursday pod. But um, in the meantime, make sure you enjoy this and make sure you tap in all our older episodes. Make You know, give us some feedback, man. Make sure you tap into the Reallys episode. That was hella fun. We gave you guys a whole recap of all of 2022. All right. Make sure you tap in all of our previous episodes. And no, we'll see you guys um, on Thursday, man. Talk soon. Holla.